the pandemic, social unrest, the state, and the White House. You are listening to The John DePietro Show. At 12.06 on this Wednesday, as the melting is underway, folks, good afternoon. You're listening to The John DePietro Show. It's AM 1380, 99.9 FM. Uh, we want to say good afternoon to everybody. A lot of people tune in. On Facebook, we call this the Noon Report. Just find my page. It's John DePietro Show. And then uh, you can interact with others as you're watching the program. Uh, respond in real time with your comments. Folks, this portion of the program is brought to you by Ron's Pastry Gourmet. Now, wherever you are right now, it's 12.06 on this Wednesday, February 16th. Ron's Pastry Gourmet is open. And what do they have? Maybe how about some delicious calzones or delicious sandwiches that they have sausage and pepper uh they have spinach pies ron's pastry gourmet they have a great menu pop it and see them sausage and pepper eggplant buffalo chicken calzones philly cheesesteak calzones pepperoni and cheese calzones chicken parmesan calzones uh pizza strips cannolis brownies and don't forget they have what is now becoming very popular the let's go brandon cupcakes uh, make sure you get some. They're going to have a, a big batch of them ready for the Biden State of the Union address, which is coming up less than two weeks away. And by the way, from what I understand, someone even sent some Let's Go Brandon uh, cupcakes from Ron's Pastry Gourmet, sent them to the truckers up in Canada. I did see some pictures of that online. Folks, they're easy to get to. Look for them on Facebook. Ron's Pastry Gourmet. Everything is baked fresh. They're open today, Wednesday. They're open Tuesday through Saturday. They open at 7. They close at 2. But they're open right now for lunch. And I know it's Ron's Pastry Gourmet, and someone may say, well, Juan, I, I want something a little more filling than a brownie for lunch. Well, like I said, they have delicious sandwiches and sausage and peppers and uh, meatball calzones and all kinds of delicious food. Ron's Pastry Gourmet, 170 Royal Little Drive in Providence. It's right near AAA in Providence, right off of Silver Spring Street. Stop it and see them. Ron's Pastry Gourmet. Well, folks, good afternoon at 12.08 in the Ocean State. Again, I want to um, invite you to visit the website, depetro.com, where, uh, you know, we have another story going up a little bit later on this activist judge um, that is just totally out of control. We have unique original stories, stories you don't see anywhere else, or there's like a slight delay. You know, many times, and people that are on the website, topetro.com, they know that you'll see stories. For instance, Biden unpopular Rhode Island. You know, we have the story that show the polling numbers, just how bad it is. Other people reference it. Uh, we also have the unique story, dating from jail. How about Michael Marapisi? So he's been in uh, the ACI since March of 2019. We're about to hit March of 2022. And uh, so that doesn't stop him. He's on a dating profile, a dating website uh, from the ACI. You can read that. You can read about, uh, remember Bob Kerr, Comrade Kerr from the Journal, how he was really the enabler of the, the fraud, Nick Alaverdian, who's in, um, who's in uh, Scotland. And then we have Here Comes Fung and a lot more folks. Check it out, depetro.com and uh, depetro.com which is brought to you by Soul Source Restoration. Now, right now, in Rhode Island and Massachusetts, contact Mike Seepy, 401-712-2700, Soul Source Restoration. They clean and disinfect residential and commercial properties. There's a direct link at the website, 
DePetro.com. Soul Source, S-O-L-E, Soul Source Restoration online at SoulSourceRestoration.com. Folks, if you would like to get in touch with me, you can always uh, go to the website, DePetro.com. We're going to talk with uh, Pat Cordelessa coming up. There were a number of bills that were up regarding voting, and I'm going to touch on that in, in just a moment. Um, but if you want to reach me, the easiest way to get a hold of me is go to the website and then just click on Contact John. I did receive an email. I'm not going to say who from. But I did get an email from someone saying, because, you know, as we were talking last hour with Dan McGowan of the Boston Globe, uh, who's very plugged in. And we were both agreeing that Fung is the front runner right now. Cranston Mayor Alan Fung is former Cranston Mayor, I should say, former Cranston Mayor, but Alan Fung, the front runner. For CD2. And the email I got was Fung, front runner, where's the polling on the polling? I mean, first of all, who, who do people think would be even doing the polling on something like that? Um, th- th- there's no one. The, the race is just fresh, let alone McGowan says Fung is the favorite. Based on what? Where's the polling? Well, based on what? Well, short of polling. Uh, who, then who would be the front runner? Bob Lancia? I saw Bob Lancia interviewed yesterday on Channel 12. I, I, I'll probably play some of it next hour. Bob Lancia ran against, I'll, I'll stay with that contention. So Fung's not the front runner. Um, so Bob Lancia, what, he's the front runner? Uh, I know Bob Lancia. He's a nice guy. I saw him interviewed yesterday. Um, he ran against Jim Langevin. In 2020, he did not win one city or town. I don't know how you declare someone. So Lancey is the front runner. Why? Because he he ran in 2020. I repeat, he didn't win one city or town in the second congressional district. Langevin won every single one. So maybe someone says, well, Jessica De La Cruz should be the front runner. Senator Jessica De La Cruz. Well, number one, first of all. She lives in the first district, I believe North Smithfield. She says she's moving. I can tell you that no one in the second congressional district, that's an interesting argument. She should be considered the front runner because she holds elective office. That's possible. Has she ever won Cranston? She's never been on a ballot in Cranston. Has she ever won Warwick? She's never been on the ballot for any race in Warwick. Has she ever won Johnston or Parts of Providence. Has she ever been on the ballot? In uh, The answer is no to all of them. So, you know, she seems to have, you know, some supporters. She is regarded as a, a rising star. It still seems to be whether or not, um, whether or not we're going to see uh, her fully enter the race. I've heard mixed things. So a lot of this also has to come into play with who it is that's advising her. But I can't imagine in every race, someone is considered a front runner, right? I mean, that's just in, uh, you know, when you have the playoff teams for football, someone's considered the favorite in basketball. You know, we're going to have March Madness and we'll have the four number one seeds and someone is considered a favorite in, in any sporting event, in any contest, Someone is considered when there's going to be primaries all over the place. This someone is considered a front runner. Where's the polling? There is no polling. First of all, it's almost impossible to poll a Republican primary. 
So, but I will address that. You know, that you know, Fung is the front runner based on what? Based on what? He was mayor of Cranston three terms. He has one Cranston. It's in CD2. <clears throat> when he ran against Gina Raimondo in 2014, he beat her in Congressional District 2. You divide the state. You look at the votes. He won CD2. That's, that's pretty strong. That's not easy to do. When he ran and lost against Gina Raimondo in 2018, he won Cranston. He won Johnston. He won West Warwick. He won Coventry. And Trillo was a factor in Warwick. Fung almost won Warwick. My point is, folks, <clears throat> you can't, <clears throat> I am, um, as I've said, I want to remain neutral in this primary race. But you, you, you can't be delusional, right? You can't, people just, just, you know, uh, I, as someone that has, has really covered this and studied it for more than 20 years, You'd, you'd be surprised the people that vote that really don't follow the news day to day the way many of, of you do. The fact that you're listening to me right now or watching me on Facebook, you're already a step ahead of a lot of people who don't follow the news. There are people that go and vote and they say, who are we voting for? Or they decide in the car on the way over there. Many of them decide once they get in and just check things off, it's it's much more difficult than people realize to to break through in a race. So, so if Fung is not the front runner, I don't know. Seth Magaziner, he just started running two weeks ago. I don't know if Brian would consider him the front. I wouldn't consider him. Maybe he considers himself the front runner on the Democrat side. Um, but I would not. Would I consider Bob Lancia the front runner? Um, you got to look at ability to raise money, and and you have to look at, I, I, you have to look at track record. You have to look at where has someone won, and Gina Raimondo was not an easy candidate, folks. Again, Patricia Morgan may jump into the race, and if that happens, I want to treat her very fairly. She is someone that has certainly won. She got herself elected. Bob Lancia did get himself elected in Cranston, but then he lost running for his uh, rep seat, <clears throat> and then he lost running against Langevin. So he has never won Johnston. You, you have to at least look at where someone has a track record. And at least then you can make the argument, if, if Alan Fung won Johnston, which he did against Gina Raimondo in uh, 2018, <clears throat> you can certainly make an argument that Jessica De La Cruz has a good chance in Johnston, that Bob Lance has a good chance. But you certainly can make an argument that Fung uh, has proven that he can win that against an opponent. Now, granted, it was against a Democrat opponent, but he also, the makeup of CD2, Cranston and Warwick play a vital part of the 2nd Congressional District. Now, with redistricting, what they have done is they, they have taken 8,000 voters and put them from Providence in CD2. That's a lot. 8,000 voters can be the difference in election. So that's something to watch. But I, I don't mind. You just, you know, you have to know where something comes from. As far as poll, who do people think is going to poll? I mean, you have to, I don't understand this. There are some people that magically think these things happen. Someone would have to do it. I can tell you, based on experience, it's very difficult, if not impossible, for media. <clears throat> it's difficult for media to do a poll on a statewide Republican primary, let alone 
in a congressional race primary. It's just, it's difficult because you have to then track down the Republican voters. So who's going to do that? Is Channel 12 going to do that? Maybe. I haven't heard of anything just yet. Is the Providence Journal going to do it? I doubt it. I haven't heard of anything like that. I know people could say, well, then you should do it. Listen, I'm not equipped to do polling. Maybe I could look into it with someone. But, you know, there's there's a, a technique to it. There's an art to it. The campaigns try to do it. But it's not easy with a small sample size such as a, um, a Republican primary. So I, I want you to know where this stuff comes from. Like you have to, everybody doesn't start, boom, at the same starting line. They're, they're, it just, it doesn't work that way. I mean, I, I know, listen, going into, I'm going to use March Madness. Yeah, it is true. Every team starts off the same. But, you know, to try to say that everybody stands the same chance is just, it's, it's ludicrous. It, it, they just don't, right? The number one seeds, they play tougher schedules. There's a reason why they're the top ranked teams. They have proven themselves. There's a method to it. Um, you, you can't just say that. We, we also, we have at 1219, folks, we have a number of people that I'm still seeing that are declaring independence for governor. And um, I, I just want to be very clear. It's not my job to explain to them how they, they, they're, it's really just like they, they're basically playing the lottery with an election. Because a lot of these, there's a couple of them now, independent candidates, they don't realize they're not going to be invited to the debates. They're not going to be on the stage. They're not going to be interviewed and no one's going to know who they are. It, it's a free country, though. If somebody wants to go through the motions of announcing and telling all their friends that they're running for governor, then that is allowed. Right. It is. There's a difference between that and someone that's walking around saying they're the quarterback of the Patriots. You you can you can say I'm running for mayor. I'm running for governor. But it's not my job. One of them contacted me. He was like, you should be interviewing me. Why? You, you'll be lucky if you get 1%. No one knows who you are. You don't have any money. You've never been elected to anything. And frankly, I, I'm against even, I, I'm a, why put them in the debate and not a credible candidate? All those, those independents do is eat up valuable time where, you know, the challengers should be battling it out. And I know not everyone feels that way. Everyone feels you just put anyone who's running on stage. It, it just it doesn't work that way. <clears throat> and even on the presidential front, when you had, you know, at one point there were 19 Republicans, 2015, 2016 running. They had two different debate stage, right? Tier one, tier two. It was like the little kitty table. Uh, you know, the second tier were people like President Trump and Ted Cruz and uh, John Kasich and Marco Rubio and other people and Jeb Bush that had some semblance of a real campaign. And then you had some of the people that that just declared. And then they were designated that way. You have to break it up some way. Everybody is not equal. There are some people they put more into it. I'm seeing it right now. There's someone that's running for an office. I text them this morning, no response. We haven't heard anything in over a month. I just start to question, are they really running or are they just doing to raise their profile for for their business? I think it's a fair question. But I can't come at this and say um, that Fung is not the front runner. And anyone that doesn't understand that, as we talked about last hour, I mean, he he announced Friday at 110. We were live on the air. Seth Magazine started attacking him at 125. I mean, that shows you right there. Folks, this portion of the John DePietro show is brought to you by Henry Oil. Fill up your tank 
right now. Still have a long way to go. 401-521-0200. 401-521-0200. Henry Oil online at henryoil.com. Automatic delivery, budget plan, service contracts, lock and cap pricing. You can depend on Henry Oil. Call them today. Serving most Rhode Island and Southeastern Mass. 401-521-0200. I do want to caution people. And again, folks, visit the website petro.com We have so many great sponsors like my friend Pat Elston, Caldwell Bank of Realty. She's based in Cumberland, over 20 years experience, licensed in Rhode Island and Massachusetts. Contact Pat Elston today. There's a link on the website. If you're thinking of selling or maybe thinking of buying, contact realtor Pat Elston, 401-474-5253. We are going to talk with um, Pat Cordelessa coming up. At 12.30, Pat knows a lot about voting, about the elections. He did challenge Nelly Gobea, uh, Secretary of State, in 2018. Uh, statewide, it wasn't easy. Last night, there were some hearings. Something that is just, uh, I, I just still can't get over how egregious it is. And it's this uh, state senator, Tiara Mack, who she is the one that always gets... She even said herself, uh, any press about her should be positive because she is an openly gay um, woman, woman of color. And so, you know, the problem with this Senator Tierra Mack is everything comes down to race with her, right? Voter ID, Rhode Island senators debate repealing state voter ID law. And why does she, this Senator Tierra Mack, say, why should we get rid of it? Because it's racist. Uh, black people don't carry an ID with them. I, I think that I think that statement is is racist. She's also new to the area. She's new to the system. She just won in 2020. It's racist and restrictive. As Dan McGowan said, even Common Cause isn't opposed to it. <clears throat> That's not. By the way, I want to be very clear. Uh, we we have a lot of problems with our voting system, and I I'm telling you right now. One of the problems we have right now in February, you watch, wait till September hits, is going to be the fact that Nellie Gorbea, who is Secretary of State, should not be involved in the race for governor. That would be like if Sunday one of the refs was actually standing on the sideline of the Bengals or standing on the sidelines of of the Rams. Um, You know, people are going to think long and hard. I believe and predict after this election, Nellie Gorbea should not be part of the equation. To me, if you're Secretary of State and you want to run for that high office, first of all, she was running the election for her own office, but she certainly certainly shouldn't be running it for the, the primary of what you, you watch. The mail ballots, the early voting, it's, it's all going to turn into a big cluster blank and there's going to be a lot of outcry about it. So, but what what you need to understand is look at the efforts, you know, this whole business that asking someone for an ID, and I don't want to go into a long thing about it, but a lot of the um, these measures put forward, from what I understand, they're going to be held for further study. That was the sense I got. Um, I believe Gorbea was trying to push the envelope even farther, but then was happy actually with the system we have. But as we mentioned, you can't. You know, you go to Fenway Park, you can't, no matter how old you are, you go to Fenway Park, you could be 90 years old, you could be 80 years old, 
you still have to show an ID in order to buy an alcoholic beverage. They card everybody across the board. They leave nothing to the judgment of the person who's serving it. They don't leave any anything like that that they were <coughs> um, that there was there was some element of that. I mean, zero of that. So the the idea that someone is out and they don't have an ID. When, when children are turning 16, 17, the first thing they want, young kids, is an ID so they can get into clubs. So they can, you can't rent an apartment. You can't get a job. You can't get a bus pass. Um, what could you do today without an ID? I guess you could go to church. Uh, you could walk into a store and pay something with cash. But the idea that somehow it's racist to... Uh, ask someone for an ID is is just ludicrous. And also, I do want to make mention um, that PC game last night. You know that team. I, I believe it's too bad that the PC team that has done so well. I think last night you showed that in in a tough game down the stretch, they're still a little undisciplined. At times, they were playing no defense, and they absolutely allowed. That guard from Villanova, I, I just, I don't understand, you know, sometimes anyone that you're playing uh, some sport, especially like basketball, you, you can tell when someone's in a groove, right? Someone's hot, someone is just feeling, they, they couldn't allow uh, Gillespie for Villanova to have the type of career night that he had. And it was, it was kind of stunning to watch that it was almost as if the Friars were just... Did it ever occur to them that, you know, maybe you double team the guy or maybe do a box and one or but you can't allow. They allowed that guard, Gillespie from Villanova, they allowed him to beat the team. And they also made some really boneheaded errors, some bad ball possessions. They had a key possession as the clock was ticking down. There's about a minute left. And then I forget one of the Friar guards just fired up a way outside three. Uh, no, nobody was even in place to get a rebound. That was a bad possession. And then they got burned when Villanova threw the ball the length of the court. I mean, that is just, that's something you wouldn't allow in, you know, young kids. You don't allow that type of thing. So Providence, who, you know, the PC Friars came a long way this season based on a lot of their athleticism and skill. But they're still, at times, a very undisciplined team. And, um, and, And that, you know... In some ways, they, they kind of got outcoached. Cooley kind of got outcoached by the coach of Villanova, especially at the end. You, you, you just have to make a decision with 10 minutes left that we're not going to let Gillespie beat us. Maybe someone else is going to beat us, but we're not going to let that guy. They had to shut that guy down. They did not shut him down, and they, that, was a, that was a tough loss. So still good for the city. Folks, this portion of the John DePietro Show is brought to you by Coogie. It's RE Coogan and Heating. Folks, call them today. Heating and cooling. It's Coogie. 401 732 6562. 401 732 6562. RE Coogan and Heating. Folks, call them today. They're also on Facebook. All right, folks, joining us on the line right now, and he has a lot of experience with our voting system. He did run for Rhode Island Secretary of State. He ran a great campaign, he brought out a lot of issues, and he did testify is our friend, and it's Pat Cordalesa. Good afternoon, Pat Cordalesa. Good, John. How are you today? Very well, Pat. Now, Pat, if you uh, could take us inside, you were kind enough to 
testify. Uh, I'd like to hear, anxious to hear your thoughts on some of these uh, voting, new voting laws that they want to put in. Thank God they have been held for further study, but that they were trying to push through last night and and this legislative session. Well, that's correct, John. Several bills reflecting the election laws and the voter laws in Rhode Island are up for grabs, basically. And you brought up the person's name that Senator Mack has submitted bills that really want to decimate the voter laws in Rhode Island. Like, for instance, uh, remove the voter ID law that's been on the books for 10 years. Um, same day registration to vote. Um, mail ballots without um, witness or notary requirements. Ah. So with all that said, we had a really good showing for people who want to keep the voting laws intact as they are today. Um, you know, with the pandemic, they had, uh, you know, they played cutesy with the, with the executive orders and they watered down the, the, the you know, the, um, the standards. But now that we're back after that, now we have a chance to keep the way they are. So we had a, I would say it was like maybe nine out of ten. Uh, to keep the voting laws intact. And um, I think we really got some good, uh, you know, feedback from the Senate there, Um, you know, with uh, Archibald there and uh, Frank Lombardi and uh, Jessica uh, De La Cruz, Gordon, uh, Senator Gordon there. Yeah, so you know, we, we I think I think we're okay. It's going to be tough though because you know the progressives are controlling a lot of the different um, you know subcommittees. Yes. But, so we all said uh, what's really mind-boggling, and I reviewed that that uh, that bill. Uh, it's called uh, uh, Vote Rhode Island, whatever you know, whatever the the, uh, the official term was. But um, it's the mail ballots, John. They want to be able to put them through the machine, okay, and have a machine count the ballots, but also to, um, you know, look at the signature. And my question to the committee was, hey, wait, there is no recourse here to challenge an election as a candidate post-election on signatures. So basically, you could have a candidate lose by 10 votes Mm. and you would have to take the word of the election workers who claim the machine, you know, approved or rejected the signatures. Now, that doesn't sound right to me. There's something wrong there. Um, Is the software for the election machine, is there a dial that um, reflects a validity of a signature? of 10%, 50%, 100%. Who controls that? Is that true? So these are the questions I ask. And I think every candidate, Democrat or Republican, and that's a major concern. And those senators there realize that, hey, wait a minute, this can turn on them on a primary with these progressives. So we might have some good good, good recourse there. But the, the way they want to do it with that machine, supposing with the software. Oh, um, I don't like it. That's, that's a problem, John. Yes. That's a problem. You're right. You, you might have, you know, don't forget, we had 185,000 mail ballots unverified, allegedly, uh, that went through the, you know, voting machines. There was a, that, that was a count. That's a lot of people that, you know, 
they're, they're voted through the mail. And of course, there's, there's all the other stuff, you know, um, same day registration to vote. I mean, you can see, you can do a provincial um, ballot if you just moved into Rhode Island and, you know, within the 30 days and it's an affidavit. So that, I don't know why you, they want to, you know, have people register the same day. Right. Um, it, there's, there's like seven bills. Uh, there's stuff like, um, if I can remember offhand, uh, just basic stuff that, you know, you would shake your head at. So I think, you know, I think we did well. I think the, the people in Rhode Island came out in force. Um, you know, Common Cause had their group of people, but we overwhelmed them because, yep. you know, they want the ACLU wants all this stuff. Uh, you know, it, 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 it's like a herd mentality, John, to, for people to vote, but they don't, they're not qualified to vote. And, you know, we went through this four years ago uh, at the Secretary of State's office where the, the workers there were not even asking for an electric bill, a utility bill, a doctor's note a college ID just to get on the voter rolls and that's also a major problem you know I wanted to straighten that out myself but you know um, you know we're facing you know and Nellie Bay uh, she testified last night pushing for all these new regulations mm. but some of the senators you know shot back at her going no we don't believe that there was definitely a potential fraud situation here yes. so I, I feel good about it but we'll see how it goes Folks, again, we're speaking with Pat Cordelessa. And Pat, I consider you an expert. You ran for the office. You know uh, far more about this than anyone else. Um, you know, do you feel, though, that our elections are, are legitimate? I still have a problem, Pat, and come back to that. As you And you exposed in your campaign, uh, anyone can still register to vote. Uh, I, I, sir, I wish we'd go back to the days of you stand in line and it's a paper ballot. It's easy to control. It's easy to then, you know, make sure that there's nothing. I, I don't like all this computer stuff. I don't like all this early voting. I don't like all the mail ballots. Um, I, I, I just don't think that our elections, I, I don't think they're legitimate. I think a big part of this is not so much about the ID, but it's about who can register to vote. And then all these, uh, you know, the ballot harvesting and the mail ballots that go on. Well, you know, some some of that, that those things are uh, illegal in certain states. Yes. But, you know, we're in a liberal state, John. It's yep. a Democratic-controlled, progressive state. And yes. they're trying to push this across the nation in certain Wrong. states. So, yep. so they have their, you know, they got their people who, who put these laws. And hopefully, um, you know, some of the Democrats, they will see that. And they'll, they'll know that it can turn on them. But you're correct. Um, you can get on the voter rolls very simply. Uh, you know, I mean, just a question, a doctor's note for ID or a, a utility bill, that's yeah. kind of, that's that's a stretch, John. These it things is. have been, they've watered down, we've talked about this, they've watered down the requirements to, to register the vote. And once you're on the voting rolls, it's pretty tough to get off, you know? Yes. So, so um, with that said, and they, like you said, uh, it is a conflict of interest that you should not have a secretary of state. No. Running for governor, who controls the election? Right, basically, you know, she she hires most of those people down there. So, That's right. You know, they're going to be looking at the signatures, and they're not. You know, we don't. The candidates don't have an opportunity, John. That was taken away from us. Prior to that, we had an option to go in challenge a signature. Now maybe right. they're all valid. In my case, when we ran for senate last year, uh, my opponent got 
3,500 uh, mail ballots that were approved. I tried to get in to see um, you know, signatures post-election. I was denied that opportunity. Mm. I can't even find out how many got rejected. Wow. So, you know, there was a there was a state uh, uh, a study. I'm not sure which state it was in, but they claimed that mail ballots actually hurt the minority community based on percentages of signatures that get rejected in other states. Hmm. So, going to the polls in person is the way to go. Simple as that. You yeah, know. But the, Pat, as you'll, I think you'll agree, and he, folks, and again, it's Pat Cordelas. So you had a terrible disadvantage running against the person that was running the election, which is Nelly Gobea. <clears throat> but Pat, you know, um, you know, you get these mail ballots and I'll just make up a name. You know, it's Juan and whoever, Juan Garcia. And it says Juan Garcia lives on 5 Manton Avenue. And there's, he registered to vote and there's his ex and for a signature. And, you know, this the state doesn't have the manpower to go out and verify that Juan Garcia lives at 5 Manton Avenue. And so all these people end up on the voter rolls and a lot of names are similar. And when you are talking about how many thousands of votes did your opponent have running for Senate in 2020? She got about 8,000 total votes and out of that, 3,500 were mail ballots. I mean, think of that, 3,500 mail ballots. Um, I got 6,000 votes and I got 1,000 mail ballots. Wow. I actually defeated her in person in early voting by a 400 vote count. And, you know, she's, um, you know, she's been in the Senate for a long time. Yes, yes. But it just, you go to the 2018 race, uh, you know, Gina Raimondo was reelected governor. She had 60,000 mail ballots. I mean, that is insane. How do you, you know, how do the system and then you just have to accept the result and how do we verify that? And plus the campaign was going out and they were collecting a lot of the ballots. I I think our system is going totally out of control. Yeah, that's correct, John. And that wasn't, I think you were in 2018. That's when really the mail ballot started to really kick in. Yes. Like you said, 65 to 70,000. Yep. I know Gourbet got 60, 70,000. 70,000 mail ballots. That's, <laughs> and that's ridiculous. Back, it was never designed this way, Pat. Never designed. The system was never designed this way. John, going back to 2014 when she ran, uh, when she got elected, she only, I think she, I think she picked up from that point to the new, from when I ran against her, she picked up like 80,000 votes. It's impossible. Yeah. <laughs> and, and not only that, one of the best examples is in 2010, when David Cicilline was elected to Congress, he beat John Laughlin. He got 81,000 votes. Pat, in 2020, Congressman Cicilline uh, received over 100, if we're to believe it, 160,000 votes. Yeah, Pat, in 10 years, how do you double your vote total in a state and district that's losing population? It's impossible. Exactly, impossible. And now, can't conf- and now the candidate uh, can't even go in post to look at the numbers. No. Because they won't let you. Yes. It's, it's, it's a corrupt. It's a, it, you know, politics is perception. They, you know, everybody complains about, oh, people are, you know, disenfranchised. And they, you know, there's like a major, you know, conflict between the parties and the people. Well, guess what? This makes it that way. You, they have a, they have a responsibility to provide the, the, the general electorate. Yep. 
to feel that it's a fair and equitable election. Yes, a legitimate election. Yeah, I don't feel it is. I do not. Um, And even when you when you ran against Cianci, you know, in the book, The Prince of Providence, (laughs) Councilman Lloyd Griffin used to talk about they were running mail ballot scams. That's in right. the in the 80s and into the 90s with Cianci, as long as, you know, as soon as they came up with the fruition of the mail ballots, it, it was called into question. If anything, now, Pat Lessa, as as Nelly Gobain, they want to move more towards everything on computer. I, I have a problem with that. I think we, I don't believe our elections are leg, legitimate elections. I just don't. Well, that was also one of the bills, having the military or people out of state vote electronically. Yes. So that was another quite, that was another little curve uh. through in there. There's a, there's a ton of them in there. But, you know, let's see what the Senate does. Hopefully they'll reject it. I know we got some good people up there. Yes. They were very, uh, Stephen Archibald, he was very concerned. Um, of course, you know, the Republicans are definitely concerned about it. But right. we, I think we get the moderate Democrats. This stuff can come back and haunt them, John, yes. in the primary. Yeah. You know, not for nothing, but Governor McKee in a primary, I can't see him supporting this because it, it puts him at a disadvantage. It does. You know? I don't even know if he realizes what a disadvantage he's going to be in. Uh, I'm going to stay with my prediction. I think she wins the primary and she wins it on on mail ballots. She's going to have a ground game to get people out there. And they're going to bring all these ballots in. And Pat, now you have the drop boxes everywhere. So they don't have to mail them. You just drop them. They could Somebody could go up with 2,000 ballots and drop them in. I, I believe after this primary season election, there's going to be all this outcry to reform our the way we do elections. Because I, I don't feel they're legitimate. And Pat Cordelessa, you go back to 2020. You know, President Trump delivered 200,000 votes in November 2020 in Rhode Island. And then we're supposed to believe that Joe Biden got 325,000 votes. That's 50,000 more votes than President Obama got. I, Pat, I just, I refuse to believe it. There's no way. In 08, when Obama ran and beat John McCain, you had, there were so many college kids engaged and people did come out. And because it was going to be the first black president, you did have a lot of people voting for the first time. You didn't have that in 2020. Where are all these extra 50,000 more people? And not only that, the college kids weren't even on the campus because of COVID. It's ridiculous. Mathematically, it doesn't make sense, John. Yes. It doesn't make sense. If you get three to five percent, I can see it, you know, but not that. that, Sicilian doubled his vote code. I got 120,000 votes yep. in 2018. Yes. The previous gentleman who ran as the Republican got the same number, 120. Mm. Nelly got 180,000 against him, and she jumped, jumped up to 250,000 against me. So the Republican Impossible. base no stayed way. the same, but their base like grew tremendously. Yes. Yeah. Uh, it does, I think they over. I think they overplayed their hand, not knowing how good they were. And even the yeah. governor there, uh, Armando, she got a tremendous amount of new votes. She did. Yeah. And no, so the, because they they watered down the um, you know the registrations and of, of oh, course yeah. uh, mail, yep. John mail ballots. There was guys testifying last night. We see four mail ballots in the mail at his yeah, house. That's right. Mail ballot so applications. If anybody, so if anybody signed them, yep. they're not checking the signature. No, they can say what they want. Yeah. Oh, the machine. The machine checks it. No, I doubt that. You know, a, an X can be the signature. 
You can use oh, just that, an John, X to be your signature. So, John, I brought that up. Yes. I said, in my testimony, I said this. I go, look, you guys want to do this X thing, right? And you're basing it on people who, you know, have uh, disabilities. I said, well, if they can do an X, can't they do the initials? Right. And they just went, they were like, looked at each other. Yep. I said, the, when you do an X, you give the impression that the system's corrupt. Yes, and it At is. At least give it some kind of, you know, <clears throat> uh, a well, real, uh, realist and have people just, you know, write their signatures down. Right. <clears throat> Another thing, too, in the retirement homes, uh, Steve Erickson, the former vice chair uh, of the election board. That guy. Now, in, in the bylaws, they're supposed to send bipartisanship teams into the retirement homes with the mail ballots and his reply was well we couldn't find enough republicans so here's what i said i go look put it in the record put it in writing that contact the republican party of the state and there's enough volunteers who will go with the democrat volunteer into the retirement home right to give the to be to to give the impression that people are not being forced to, to sign the Democratic nominee. Right. Uh, they took that on the advisement. But, it's, you know, it, it doesn't take a rocket scientist to know that. You know, just contact Sukhsiaki, and they'll have volunteers go to the retirement homes. Yeah, you can't find them because you're not looking for, for Republicans. Right. Folks, he or, is you know, um, independence. We're gonna, he is uh, Pat Cordalesa. Again, Pat, thank you for testifying. Thank you for bringing up to, up to speed on this. I consider you an expert in the area. Thank you for your tremendous service to our country, and we'll talk to you again. Thank you, John. Bye-bye. All right, folks, there it is, our friend Pat Cordalesa right here on the John DePietro Show. It's 1246. Good afternoon, everybody. You're listening to the John DePietro Show. It's AM 1380 and 99.9 FM. This portion of the program is brought to you by Ken Delgarian, uh, president of Delgarian Properties, well-known developer, strong reputation. He has great properties, and if you log on at DePietro.com, uh, you get a link right to the properties that he features. Kenny Delgarian, uh, the exact address, just like Lloyd Manor Apartments, the Premier Apartments, Wayland Court Apartments, Harrison Apartments. It's all on the uh, website, which is depetro.com. And especially, you can see the story. I mean, here you have that Marapisi who, uh, there was a brutal murder of the poor um, young girl, Lauren Issei. She had broken up with him. He broke into her apartment and just viciously killed her that was uh march of 2019 still hasn't gone on trial and yet he's got a dating profile up on one of these uh they have like pen it's it's pen pal for inmates it's you know it's it's nuts there are both men and women but i i believe it's primarily women now i'm sure there's a female uh prisoner thing but it, it's this whole sensation, these women that they correspond with these with these inmates. And, it, you know, they even have a part. You're going to read it and see it, whether or not they're on death row. He mentions that he violated probation. He's got a murder charge pending. But there are, you know, it's it's sad. It's like that Scott Peterson who, uh, you know, he gets all this. Um, he gets all this like correspondence from these women and I, I don't know. It's 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 pretty twisted. So but folks, check it out on the website, depetro.com, and don't forget depetro.com, which is watched by Endzone Sports Pub. Stop it and see them. Remember, great place, have a drink, watch your favorite sports teams, clean, friendly place. Karaoke starts at 8 30 on Friday and Saturday nights. 
It's End Zone Sports Pub, 960 Menden Road in Cumberland. Well, I also want to say I'm glad that I highlighted this um, in the the 11 o'clock hour. And um, it's it's at least the media is drawing attention to this judge. And, and, and this is someone, my opinion, should not be on the bench. Uh, it's Kristen Rogers. You know, this is like the full... Rhode Island politically connected. Her father was a judge. Joe Rogers, you know, nothing against uh, the late Judge Rogers. But what? why are we allowing a judge to then work political favors in order to get his daughter on the bench? She is the one that has stepped forward. And yesterday, you know, we talked about it, that they had this press briefing and these families came forward. That she has, I mean, this is new, where... Uh, They have these guys, they're accused of murder, and she has them on home confinement. And she sure sounds like an activist judge. You have people serving time at the ACI for robbery. You have people serving time at the ACI for various things. These guys are accused of, you know, murdering someone. Now, granted, it's still accused, but I'm glad that... People are pushing back on her. She's the one that allowed them to to just be at home in their own bed on home confinement. Now, we also have learned more about the suspect that um, really damaged those two high school kids. One of them, I'm, I'm told, is in critical condition. I think he's in a self-induced coma. The two 17-year-olds, he, has, uh, he appeared in court. He's got a really good attorney. Um, which is too bad, but bail. Um, oh, I, hold on, folks. I just had it, and then I hit something, and it went to something else. He has um, a bail review hearing. District Court Judge Patrick O'Neill um, continue bail at ten thousand. The North Kingstown man accused of DUI driving to endanger. It turns out that he's training to be a Newport firefighter. Bill Dimitri's the attorney. Now I know Bill to. Bill Dimitri. He's not a good defense, criminal defense attorney. He's a great criminal defense attorney. You could certainly make an argument. He's one of the better ones in the state. I don't know how he drew this case. Someone paired him together. I can tell you that this judge is not going to go against. Bill Dimitri has a lot of power in the courtroom. He calls what happened an unfortunate incident. Uh, his client this 30-year-old 30, 30 Newport firefighter who's taking classes to be a paramedic, accused of DUI, driving to endanger. One of those high school kids may not make it. That's not an unfortunate incident. That is irresponsible drunk driving, head-on crash. Now, he, how is this guy going to do his job? Right now, he's a firefighter in Newport. The Newport fire chief said he's a probationary firefighter, usually lasts six months, possible for someone to be on probation longer than six months. His position with the department will depend on the outcome. A firefighter must be able to drive. The fire trucks don't have the ignition interlock. This guy, I certainly hope it doesn't. Listen, I'll be the first one. This guy does not deserve, should not be a firefighter. He should not be a first responder. But now it makes sense how we got bail in the first place. Because then you wonder, how did he get bail? 
How was he out on bail? And then how did he get hooked up with such an attorney? The judge ordered him not to drive unless he has a device installed that won't allow a car to start unless he passes a breath test for alcohol. He shouldn't even be allowed to drive. And that uh, Patrick, uh, J. Patrick O'Neill, he's, you know, he was at the state house. Folks, this is, again, more of this vicious circle. You know, what about those two kids in West Warwick? Why is this guy, this uh, firefighter, what do you mean he can drive? Well, you know, he can't drive. Uh, he has to have a, no, he shouldn't be driving. He should still be locked up. I think if you, in this situation, accused a DUI driving to endanger, head-on collision, I think it should be held. 30 days at the ACI till we sort all this out. But now it makes, because, you know, when he first, we heard he got released right away, it seemed like, well, that's odd. And I thought one or two things, like, all right, who does he know? Know somebody. Otherwise, most of the time they'd be held. Nope, he's a firefighter. And so, and let alone, if then they get someone like um, Bill Dimitri, who's, a, he, again, I've seen him in action. He's a great criminal defense attorney. Um, those two things add up to how this guy has bailed. How about the fact he still can drive? He can still drive. The judge, well, you can't drive. He has to have a device installed. Yeah, he's still driving, though. Those kids, one of those high school kids is in critical condition. He may not make it, by the way. And what does his attorney say? It's an unfortunate incident. That's not an unfortunate incident. An unfortunate incident would be someone driving very carefully, maybe skids on some ice. This guy was 10 sheets to the wind and hits two high school kids in a head-on collision. And if you've seen, if you want to see what the car looks like, log on to the website to Petro.com. I think this is disgraceful. I don't think he should be out on bail. I don't think he should be driving. And the Newport Fire Department should cut him loose. And this business unfortunate incident. Now, I get it. He is entitled to be, his next court date is May 18th. He's free to go. He can try month of March, April, and into May. Driving around. He can still drive. He can drive to his job. Still being a frontline firefighter in the, in uh, Newport. You know, this is another example. And I know the coach in West Warwick has called for st- stricter drunk driving laws. What they don't even realize is one of the people that started... Uh, loosening up the drunk driving laws is the former speaker from West Warwick. It was, you know, Bill Murphy, who's a criminal defense attorney. Folks, at, at the Rhode Island State House, they weaken, as I have said, told you in the past, they weaken the drunk driving laws so they know exactly how to manipulate it. And then the judge knows they know how to manipulate it. I feel bad for the families because the moment Bill Dimitri walked in the court and he's well known and he's well respected and the judge is not going to do anything to upset uh, defense attorney Bill Dimitri. And I have nothing against the guy. Uh, I've interviewed him in the past. He's very, very knowledgeable. I've seen him in action. He is a very effective criminal defense attorney. But what about the people? What about the children 
Governor McKee doesn't even weigh in on this. I am telling you, it, and, and as I was saying last night, I reached out to Chaz Kalenda, the Republican running. I, I don't know. Feel free to say something. Um, he did comment on his Facebook page about the uh, the two murderers that are allowed to just be on home confinement. But, but that was basically it. I haven't seen anything on what I would consider an epidemic of drunk driving. The coach, I can't lose my two boys. Hockey coach asked for prayers. Captain injured. You know, we need more than prayer. I'm going to play the sound of that. This coach certainly means well. Um, one of them, his name is 17 years old, Matt Dennison. He is in a, a self, he's in an induced coma. That's what type of shape he is in. And if you, again, look at the pictures on DePetro.com. This guy ran right into the the passenger side. They were coming back from uh, a junior hockey team in a game, excuse me, I believe in Connecticut. So, you know, and, and I know that they're saying, well, we got to change the laws. But, folks, as I have told you, we, we have a problem. We have a problem where drunk driving is tolerated. It is seen as as just as Bill Dimitri called it an unfortunate incident. That's how it's regarded. You know, 17-year-old Olivia Passaretti is killed on New Year's Eve by that 30-year-old career criminal goon. And it's looked at as like, oh, that's that's an unfortunate incident that he was drinking and driving. And I think they also had uh, cannabis in the car and he rammed a car from behind. That's an unfortunate incident. Now you have the two 17-year-olds hit by a Newport firefighter. How do they regard it? Oh, it's an unfortunate incident. It's preventable is what it is. Um, the fact that that guy is out on bail, the fact that he can still drive, holy cow. He wasn't even locked up for the weekend at the ACI. He could be facing a manslaughter charge. There's no guarantee. That 17-year-old boy may not make it. And he even even if he does, he's got a long road back. All right, folks, at 12.59, next hour, you want to hear this. Bob Lancia is running for Congress. He did an interview. He was on Channel 12 yesterday. I'm going to play part of that. I'll also give you the latest now as things are. As I predicted, anyone that believes Putin is, is, uh, is a fool. Because I, I still maintain they're looking, they're going to invade Ukraine. They're just going to make it look like it was Ukraine's fault. All right, next hour is on the radio only. We're going to break for the 1 o'clock news. We have another full hour to go. You can listen on the website, AM 1380, 99.9 FM. We'll be back on the other side after the 1 o'clock news.